0: St. Clair, you are here now. Perhaps you have been eagerly awaiting this moment, Mm -hmm. coming back to church all week. You've been excited. Um, Perhaps this already feels a bit rehearsed, and uh, you're going through the Sunday routine. And perhaps you don't even know why you came today, to Sunday, to church, maybe even reluctantly you came. Um... But wherever else you may be, you're here. And what's more, you have been expected here. You who seek God daily, you who felt him once, but that was a long time ago, and you who think you're here on a fluke, all alike, he has been waiting for you. He is here now too. He's not only here, but he's higher than your keenest hopes and he is deeper than the lowest you could be and he's always around you his presence is weighing down it's pushing at this place you know it's too much for us to bear but it's not a yoke it's it's the full weight of his incessant eternal presence is his love for us it's a it's a crown what can we say to this we who so often darken counsel by words without knowledge, After. we who are of small account. After. For now, we will say nothing. Let's be silent for a moment and acknowledge the God of love who has been waiting for us here.
1: Good morning, Sinclair. My name is Matt Pamplin. I'm on staff here at St. Community Church. Just so everyone's aware, in our transition to Ryerson, this is our second week of doing an earlier time, and I'm very impressed by all of you getting up at this time in the morning to come and worship God with us. What we try to do is shrink our announcement time, uh, because often that can fill up a lot of our morning. So on our Facebook page, on our website, and on the bulletins when you walked in this morning, there should be some announcements about things that are going on in our community and upcoming events, So, just so you're aware of that. uh, At St. Clair... We've always said that we're a community that wants to make disciples of Jesus by living as a family on a mission in the Sherman neighborhood, Hamilton, and the rest of the world. And so because of that, if we believe in discipleship, we actually think at some points disciples will go out and live into the mission of God. Like Gareth said beautifully at the start, we believe God is at work in the world, and he's just inviting us to join him in what he's doing in our community and in our city. And so, when we started St. Clair as a church, we were just a group of people praying together, and somehow this happened. Uh, We've always felt like we just want to pray about where God's at work in our city. And about a year ago, after some time praying together, we actually launched a second uh, community out of St. Clair, which was the uh, new church plant that's been going around a year and actually celebrates one year today, their anniversary. Ooh, so that's super exciting. Uh, Sometimes. because they're not always here on Sunday morning, because they're actually out in the community doing stuff while I'm here talking, Um, I thought it'd be great to invite Will and Leanne McLaughlin uh, to come. They've been heading up the church planter uh, out of St. Clair, and I'm just going to ask them a couple of questions just so we can update you as a community on what's been going on. There's been some exciting things that God has been doing. We truly believe that churches plant churches. That's just the New Testament model. And so as we seek God, hopefully churches will spring up because the church should be multiplying. So I'm just going to invite Will and Leanne to come up. Uh, Sorry, Leanne, I didn't know if you were coming, but now you have to. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Later I'll get there. Why did you invite me? So um, tell us a bit about maybe the vision behind what you're doing so people know and what's been happening in the last year.
2: Um, Yeah, so for uh, Leanne and I, we were part of a missional family with Matt, Jen, and some of the rest of you wonderful folks. And as we were doing that, we really got a sense that in the neighborhood we live in, there were so many people who we would often just pass by on a Sunday morning as we were kind of coming to the Germania Club. you remember back in those days, many, many moons ago. And for us, it was a little bit of a, we want to see Jesus step into people's lives but often we were just passing them by. And so God really started challenging us and saying, how are you going to care for your neighbors? How are you going to look out for them? How are you going to get to know them? And for us, uh, you know, as we talked about the church plant, we really felt God saying, we want you to do something that is going to be really accessible to a bunch of folks and individuals who maybe have never experienced church before. So whether that's the time, whether that's how you do the service, or what it looks like, all of that, I want you to lean in to those who don't yet know me. Um, and as we talked about that, and we kind of started and kind of took a few fumbling, stumbling steps, uh, we had some of the folks from 24-7 uh, come along and speak to us one evening. And if, if you've been to the church at 1401 at all, you'll know there's a big stained glass window in the kind of entrance. And the stained glass window is uh, one of Jesus on the cross, and underneath it says, if I am lifted up, I will draw everyone to me. And as they were speaking to us that evening, um, they could see kind of the, the bits of glass, and one of the things they've said that I think just articulates the vision for us was that when you look at that window, it's a bunch of random little pieces of glass, all broken, that if you take them on their own, they're just broken pieces of glass and you're likely to throw them away. But when you put them together, when you try and hold all these different little pieces that are different colors and different shapes and different sizes, when you pull them together, it actually starts to resemble something beautiful. But that evening as we were talking, it was dark, and so you could make out like this faint image of what it was. And as they shared, they just said, the most spectacular thing isn't just this brokenness that it can be pulled together, but it's actually when the light shines through, that's when you see the real difference. And they really just spoke over us. And so that's what we feel for your community, that if you're willing to be honestly broken, try and come together and allow Jesus to shine through, that's when you'll actually see the full picture. And so that's very much kind of been the the guiding piece for us.
1: That's so good. Um, I feel like half of us won't be here next week because I'll be with you, um, which is great. Uh, Actually, uh, so... 1401, as we've called it, because that's the address of the building, and we're not very creative with names at St. Clair, um, is where uh, they meet. And at 1401, they have a meal. It's a Sunday afternoon at 4.30 till 6. They have a meal. Uh, there's lots of kids involved. They then have some discussion and worship. As you look back, maybe, Leanne, on the last year, is there a story or something that comes to mind that... You know, ministry is hard at times. Makes you think, "Oh, this is why we're doing what we're doing," and this is an example of what God's leading us into.
3: Yeah, I think what we're doing feels so simple and almost like unremarkable that I'm waiting for the big and the dramatic, and yet the people show up, um, the community invites each other, and they show up, and they're they're coming with. Um, no faith background, or a complicated faith background, or just not sure what they believe, and yet they show up every week, they invite others, and it's like, <clears throat> just realizing there's, yeah, God's presence is there, his Holy Spirit is at work, no matter where we are, you know, on our journey with him, and we have seen a girl come to faith, Um yeah, I think we realize every time, like, and we say, like, we are all broken, and I feel like, We've just skipped so so much of the pretense. It's just authentic and it's real. And people come because um, not because they're sorted, not because they look a certain way or whatever. They come and they feel um, they just feel like they belong. And God meets them every time, and it it, it blows me away because it's, it challenges everything that I think of um, our friends who are coming up for communion and. Um, it doesn't fit kind of the box that we'd put it in. And it's like, they don't know what, what they believe, might come from Buddhists, might come from a different faith background. And yet every time we talk about Jesus being lifted high and how he wants to um, shine his light into our life, they are straight up and they're accepting communion and they're accepting Jesus's, Jesus's body and His um, his blood, what he's done for us. And yeah, we've seen a girl come to faith and it's, um, she can't come into church yet, but she comes to the, to the parent group and, and it's the conversation still on the playground. And it's like, it's not just in that building. It's like all week long, um, wherever paths cross, it is, um, it's still Jesus being, um, visible to each other, which is really cool.
1: What struck me was uh, Will and Liam were telling me stories of people who've come and they don't really know Jesus, but they found community, they found Jesus, and the natural response is to invite others. It seems to be that gospel account. I think it's Philip to Nathaniel. We've met Jesus, and he's like, just come and see. You need to come too and be invited into this, and that's our hope and our dream. Uh, could I pray for you this morning, just to say 4.30 this afternoon, one-year anniversary there's always good food there, although that could be bad because so many people have come, but we'll pray. That happened once before and food got multiplied. So please come and celebrate with Will and Leanne and the crew at 1401 if you're around today at 4.30. Why don't I pray for you? God, thank you for the church that despite uh, the years of uh, challenges and struggles seems to be this beautiful thing that you call the bride that you love deeply and continues to spring up all over the world. God, thank you for this expression of church that is uh, one neighbourhood over and what you're doing there. God, for Will and Leanne, we pray you would fill them with your spirit. And as Will said beautifully, as they just lift you up, Jesus, you would do the work of drawing people to yourself. God, we pray for those that have found their way to 1401, Uh, I know some of them with challenging situations and uh, family situations, and God, we ask for healing particularly, that the broken parts of their life would be healed and they'd be made whole. Jesus, thank you for all the things you're doing, and we pray that, yeah, you would continue, as Paul would say in Colossians, to reconcile all things back to yourself. Thank you for what you've done, and a year later we get to celebrate stories of what you're doing at 1401. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, At this point in our service, we're going to have the reading of the scripture.
4: Good morning, everybody. Here we go. We got Psalm 106, verses 7 to 22. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet you saved them for his name's sake. To make his mighty power known, he rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up, and he led them through the depths as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy he redeemed them. The waters covered over their adversaries, And not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But soon they forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp, they grew envious of Moses and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan. It buried the company of Abraham. Fire blazed among their followers. A flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb, they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull, which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. The word of the Lord, thanks be to God.
5: Uh good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you, good to be with you this morning. I don't know what you found yourself doing over the summer that maybe you wouldn't normally have time for. For me, it was watching some movies on TV, which felt like a lost art of sorts, is having commercial breaks every 20 minutes watching a movie. And I got caught watching AMC's Marathon of Jaws. I don't know if you knew that there are four Jaws movies. I don't know if anyone's watched all four Jaws movies. I maybe it's worth saying. The first one, amazing classic, brilliant movie making. The second one actually holds up really well as a sequel. The third one is pathetic, and I gave up 10 minutes in, and I have not made it to the 4th. So if you've seen the 4th, please let me know your critical review. Watching movies on TV, you've got the 20-minute commercial break. And actually, I'm, I always find myself a little bit curious watching commercials. We haven't had a TV in our home in a long time, so uh, watching commercials has a certain fascination for me. Partly because I think it actually serves as a bit of a mirror and reflects back to us a little bit of who we are as a culture, as a society, and the kind of things we value most. So when I saw one commercial come up, it caught my attention pretty quickly. It was showing the reactions of a whole bunch of people. But all you're seeing is their reactions, and you don't know what they're reacting to. Mostly it's sort of this shock or awe, oh, this this wide-eyed, mouth drop, like something incredible has happened, but you're guessing as to what the thing is that all these different people are reacting to. And then fa- finally the camera sort of pans over and you see the couple with, the, the, the daughter with the, well, with the ring. I, <laughs> I proposed to Jen and put the wrong finger or the wrong ring on her hand, so I'm, I'm still confused about these things. It's a story for another day. <laughs> but the daughter is just beaming. She's, she just got engaged. And it's, then you realize the reaction of all these different people is of hearing the news of their daughter getting engaged, that they're just over the top disbelief. It is the best thing in the world. And the commercial just fades out and says the words, dare to be devoted, just sponsored by this jewelry company. I thought, oh, that's interesting. I, I feel like they might be onto something there. And I actually sort of looked up, and they have a whole branding, a whole series of commercials with different taglines that's trying to entice people into a bigger commitment with their life. Perhaps they know that the marriage market is dwindling. And they have to sort of dare people into that old faithful commitment. And some of the other taglines that they have are, say, dare to stop searching. Dare to give the gift of devotion. And one of them even said, get mom what she really wants this Mother's Day. <laughs> so, <laughs> But as I thought about our community and I prayed about this year ahead of us, it was actually that phrase, that very phrase of dare to be devoted that I couldn't really get out of my head. I th- I've been thinking about what is, what is it to be devoted? And specifically for us as a church community, what does it look like for us to be devoted? Matt, last week, sort of teased or introed the question of saying, What does it look like to live the way of Jesus in Hamilton in 2019? That's a question we're going to keep coming back to this year. And really, it's saying, how do we have a faith in Jesus that is robust and deep, big enough to make sense of the world that we live in, and maybe actually in some ways small enough just to be lived out in the normal places of our life? Really, the underlying question that I think we're just trying to ask is say, what does it look like to thrive and to flourish in the life that God's called us to? And I want to humbly submit to us that I think this year it has something to do with being devoted. So let me preface this to say, when I talk about devotion, what I hope to not mean is do more, try harder. That's maybe typically how I hear the word devotion. It's, it is a cracking of the religious whip in our life just to be better. And I do not want to run us off the inevitable cliff of spiritual exhaustion. That's, that's not my hope in talking about what it means to be devoted this morning. Because actually, I wouldn't... I wouldn't really doubt whether we are devoted or not. I think the greater question is simply, what are we devoted to? I think a lot of us find ourselves devoted to a great many things. That really, when we look at our lives, we become so spread thin Because we've given ourselves away to so many things that nothing actually ever gets our best or our full. That perhaps we end up doing dozens of things poorly. Or maybe even a lot of things okay. But I think the devoted life has something to do with doing a few things well. Dallas Willard says this, It says, in terms of spirituality, our struggle is not with sincerity, but with direction. I think the call of Jesus is the invitation to a singular focus for our life. It is the simplification of our wants and our desires. And here hear the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, small is the gate, And narrow is the road that leads to life. Only a few find it. Ultimately, we're not demoted. (laughs) We're not devoted. We're not devoted to a cause or a movement. We're devoted to a person. We're devoted to the person of Jesus, the living Christ. Is Jesus the priority of our life, or is he himself simply the add-on or the afterthought or maybe even the inconvenience to the life that we are trying to create for ourselves? Do we easily forget who God is and what he has done for us? And to speak about forgetfulness, we don't have to look any further than the Israelites And that's what we heard in Psalm 106. The whole psalm is wonderful, but that portion for us read for this morning wonderfully reminds us the story of a faithful God with an unfaithful people. Verse 7, when our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the red sea. Some translations would say for that, the Israelites, they were not impressed by the Lord's miraculous deeds. As some of us were reflecting on this passage this week, the comment was made, it's like, it's kind of like Israelites are like the angsty teenager with the hood on and they're just like, meh, very indifferent to the miraculous deeds of, they're just not impressed. Verse 13 and 14, but they soon forgot what he had done. And did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert, they gave in to their craving. In the wilderness, they put God to the test. In verse 21, 20, 21. They exchanged the glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot that the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, the Israelites, I think, were losing sight of their direction. They were forgetting who they were and whose they belonged to. It even in verse 35, if you keep reading, it lays out the consequence of Israel forgetting who God has been to them and what he's done for them. And the, the consequences are steep. Verse 35 says, they mingled with the nations And adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood. The bloods of their own sons and daughters, goes on to say, they defiled themselves by what they did. By their deeds, they prostituted themselves. The stakes are pretty high here. The Israelites forget who God is and how he has come near to them and their forgetfulness leads to a waywardness so extreme to the point where they are sacrificing their own children because they've forgotten who their God is and they've adopted the customs of other gods. I mean, when you you hear verse 21, I can almost hear the psalmist writing this Maybe even laughing out loud when he says they exchanged their glorious God, glorious God, for an image of a bull. And you heard it already, which eats grass. Or it's just, it's like, I don't, like, can you believe? They exchanged the God who has come near to them, who has called these people his treasured possession, and they want to give that up for a statue of something that eats its to- like, to us, it seems pretty obvious, perhaps even pretty dumb. But why don't we fill the blanks on our own life and to think, in what ways have we exchanged the glorious God for blankety blank? I mean, there could be a long list of examples things that we give our best over to and we just leave whatever is left over for god the israelites devotion to their god seems to be correct directly correlated to their ability to remember forgetfulness and waywardness appear to be inseparably linked The refrain, the command of remember is not just in Psalm 106. It's all throughout Scripture. And if you're with us this summer, you might recall Nate Wall sharing from his boy, John Dunn, saying the art of salvation is but the art of memory. That there is something essential, there is something very, very core to us being known before God that we do not forget. Who he is. I think devotion is the posture of remembering who God is and what he has done for us. Our failure to remember really just it comes at the cost of our identity, that we forget who we are and who he has made us to be and what he has made us for. Like the Israelites, we are a people who always need to be reminded. And this is verse 43 to 45 in Psalm 106. It says, many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant, and out of his great love, he relented. I think living a devoted life, living a life of devotion, is posturing ourselves to be reminded that God does not relent. He constantly pursues us. His love is beyond measure. I think in choosing to have a singular focus for our life is to that in all things we are reminded that we are loved. The quicker that we forget that, the sooner our life starts to go sideways. That is the life of devotion that we are called into, to have this singular focus to be reminded over and over and over and over again that we are loved. God's expansive love is a constant invitation for us to give ourselves fully over to him. I think in the challenge of devotion is really just a choice. Are we going to be devoted to Jesus? Or are we always going to hold out for another option waiting for something better. Devotion is hard because it comes with sacrifice. I think like a vow, saying yes to one thing means saying no to many others. It's giving up the right to always have the option to opt out. What we give our time, energy, attention to shows our actual priorities and what we are really devoted to Most often, we are devoted to what we desire. Desiring many things means we're competing with many different priorities. Having many different priorities actually means we have no priorities. You can't be devoted to multiple things. And in a world of infinite choice it can be very hard to say no to the things that we desire, the things that we want. FOMO is real. It's a choice that we have to make. It actually often comes at a cost. Jewish theologian Abraham uh, Joshua Heschel says this. He says, Self-respect is the root of discipline. The sense of dignity grows with the ability to say no to oneself. And Dallas Willard says this, says, We have cultivated an understanding of the devotional life that leaves life out of it. We talk about having a devotional life, but we don't have a life of devotion. And I think this is where we find ourselves with Desires are very duplicit, that we want many things all the time, and we always want to have all of our choices in front of us. Jesus, in a life of devotion to the person of Jesus, often is the thing that we're trying to work and wedge its way into our life because we've already decided the many other things that we want. It becomes very easy to be angsty or frustrated or disappointed with the Jesus who does not fit the life that we've already decided for ourselves. The devoted life is a singular focus of living in a posture of response, being reminded that God loves us, and that we give ourselves fully over to that, and then we see our life through the lens of living through Jesus, not as the add-on. So the question of what does it look like to live the way of Jesus in Hamilton in 2019? I think the climb of this is too steep to figure out the devoted life on our own. This is why we have practices as a community. So for St. Clair Community Church, this will be familiar for some. We have values and we have practices, story, family, mission, discipleship. And we have these practices that we keep coming back to over and over again. Prayer, scripture, hospitality, generosity, and Sabbath. And some of the work that our leadership team has been doing over the last bunch of months is talking and praying about what does it look like to be devoted in our practices specifically to prayer and hospitality over this year. It is not at the expense of scripture, generosity, and Sabbath, but to say if we're going to do anything well, how do we as a community grow and learn to practice the presence of God through prayer and how to welcome the stranger through hospitality? That's something we'll keep coming back to this year as a community. It's something we're going to ask all of our missional families to participate in together is to have these focused practices around prayer and hospitality. When you think about our values of story, family mission, discipleship, we're spending our Sundays over this, the better part of this year looking at the story of Scripture so we ourselves can be reminded of who God has always been to his people. That helps us answer and understand the question of who then we should be and how then we should live right here, right now, today. And so we're looking at the story of Scripture to be immersed in that, to be familiar in that, in that again, and to be reminded of who God is. And we want to celebrate our stories as well of what God has been doing in our life. That's perhaps in a public way or a corporate way. We're going to be learning that together this year. Personally, privately, to reflect on your priorities, and what you may find yourself devoted to. What is it that gets your best? You probably don't have to look any further than your first thoughts in the morning or your last thoughts at night. Years ago, I heard an interview with Stephen Colbert, the late-night talk show host, who's a devout Catholic. And someone had asked him and said, if you were able to meet the Pope, what is the one question you would ask him? Which is pretty intriguing. His response is this. He says, I would ask the Pope, what do your mornings look like? Oh, I think Colbert's trying to understand what are the priorities of the Pope himself because the, the thoughts, the emotion, the energy that we put out first thing in the morning and last thing at night is probably reflects what is getting our best. St. Clair, to send you out with a blessing, a benediction. This, this might be the new normal for a bit, is tacking on things you need to know as you find your way out of here. One is that uh, a church that we're very close with, Part 2 City Movement Eucharist, is doing an event this week that is... Uh, You can find the details online, but it's about reclaiming a faith that maybe has been lost in your life. Um, If that is of interest to you, you should take a look at ReCamp. Uh, You may know or you may not know that we have to exit this space very quickly because Ryerson United, the community that calls this place home, is ready to come in as soon as we exit this room so they can have their gathering. So as you go, it's that whole Nicolas Cage thing, you have to go very quickly, Grab any coffee mugs. We don't want to leave anything that's a mess for them. So please be sure to have a look around and make sure you take your belongings, anything else that looks out of place with you. And we would encourage all of you to find your way to this back corner of the building. There is a gymnasium in this place. There, there is coffee. And we just encourage everyone to be able to hang out as long as you like. We can't do that in this space, but we want to be able to do that together as a community If you're new with us this morning or you've been visiting, that's the room where you're going to find an info table. It's going to kind of give you all the information you need as a next step for getting connected here. Let me bless us as we go. And that is St. Clair, to know that take delight, take hope, take courage, to know that God is far more devoted to you than you ever will be to him. Go in peace.